Hello and welcome back to another episode of Turt. I have here a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Spectre General 66. <laughs> Hello. And what do you do on our channel and as well as Six Seams? Uh, that's a big question because I do a lot of different things. I think we've called me the Doug Jones of the channels because I'm the person who wears a lot of masks and makeup and it's never quite certain what my face actually looks like. What are some of the characters that you've portrayed? Um, I've been Laughing Jack, Masky, uh, Hoodie, The Rake. I've been the voice of Toby in some of our videos. Not all of them, but some of them. It was Hey Masky. It was Hey Masky and How to Get Pregnant. Were you Toby and How to Get Pregnant? Yeah, I was Toby and How to Get oh Pregnant. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and in things not on our channel, I was also Habit, which was fun. Okay. But is there anything else you want to tell everybody before we go into crazy awesome things? Ah. Uh... It's weird to introduce myself to people that I've known for like five years. But. Oh, yes. Uh, Inspector General, or Darren, I have here sitting in the kitchen as we record this dining room. So it is interesting to interview someone. Yeah. Okay, so um, we're going to say goodbye to night dress. Good night. Good night. Right. So um, the last two episodes of Turt, we had... Jess Kitten and Range Death here, and we talked a lot about the uh, more down-to-earth uh, things that went on in uh, Tiki Toby's story. So pretty much the socioeconomic statuses of the Rogers, and some stuff about Lyra, and uh, Toby's ailments. So today, we're going to go into the paranormal aspect of the story, which is why we have Darren with us. And... Uh, the reason we brought Darren in specifically is because when we first started, um, which is now what Monsters of the Web, not Ask Tiki Toby, um, we went into all these headcanons to try and deepen the story. At three in the morning. Yeah. So, um, which I like to call the theories bloodlines, uh, which is pretty much the lore that I've been passing on the master list. All right. So, uh, bloodlines. So, we're going to start off with uh, the Rogers family bloodline. Um so what is it uh, with Frank? Because I wanted you to go into, like, the drinking and the medication and everything. Um, well, I know when we first started addressing the bloodlines issue, it came from the fact that in the story it mentions Frank's alcoholism as a thing that just starts. Yeah. Out of nowhere, which both of us kind of went, well, that's not realistic. That's not something that just spontaneously starts. There's usually a reason or something that makes it happen, whether it be, you know, a family thing or whatever. It's not just a spontaneous thing. So we talked about it and we thought about the idea of what if um, the operator as a disease, a virus, whatever you want to call it, is something that's passed down through bloodlines and that when Frank was a child, he was also afflicted with the, this virus, if you will. Uh, yeah, in the story, in Toby's story, it actually it does say that he had pictures on his wall. We discussed in a previous episode. He has pictures on his wall. He's nothing like posters or anything. He has pictures of his family on his wall. Very strange. Mm -hmm. Just his family. And he said, back when they were a happy family, back before Dad started drinking. Right. So yeah, it does come out of nowhere that he's drinking. Um, and I think we talked about that he used to drink or something like that. 
Yeah, I think we did say something about how drinking had been a problem in his younger years. Yeah. Um, Which ties into the whole bloodlines thing. Yeah. go deeper into. Because our, our first thought was that um, being affected by this thing, he would start drinking to self-medicate to try to get rid of it. Um, and when that didn't work and he actually tried to get help for it, um, he ended up on medication that would effectively block the operator out. Um, so then for years and years and years, everything was fine. He grew up, he had a job, he had a family, everything was good. And then he went, oh, hey, I'm good, right? I haven't had hallucinations or problems. I'm clearly all right. I can go off my medication, which, by the way, take your medication. It was just like, <laughs> oh, when I was a kid, I, I saw this weird stuff, but I'm an adult now. So I'm I don't fine. Need, I don't need this medication anymore. That's just weird kid stuff, right? Yeah. So I can see, like, something like that. Like, you, if you think back at... Um, our secret ages. If you think back, like, you go, oh, man, was that a hallucination? Was I dreaming? Like, that didn't happen. There's no way that thing that happened when I was whatever age was actually yeah. real. There's a faceless man that was after me in a very nice suit. But, sadly for Frank, it actually was real. Yeah. Um, and so we theorized that he went off his medication, and it wasn't something of, you know, bam, he goes off his medication and immediately... The operator is back in the picture because, you know, if that were to happen to anybody who goes off their medication and they immediately start seeing this thing again, they'd be like, um, yes, new prescription, please? Yeah. It's a, a slow, slow, uh, descent back into seeing these hallucinations. Yeah. Um, so then we, uh, so we have Frank who was affected by this from a very young age because it is a bloodline. So his father, his fa you know, his siblings, whoever, uh, it was his father and his mother gave it to him. So it'll affect each generation. That's what a bloodline is. It passed down through the bloodline. And more than likely it targets whatever family member is the most susceptible to anything paranormal. Right. Um, so it right now it was with Frank. And then Frank became uh, overly medicated, alcoholism, mm -hmm. uh, his age might have a factor into it, health-wise, things like that. But for whatever reason, um, during the story, we had it that Lyra was next in line. So then right. Lyra started with the nightmares. Mm -hmm. Well, and um, I'm not sure where I was about to go with this. Um, sort of jumping back on the Frank self-medicating with alcohol, it's also highly possible that though... Alcohol does help sort of in the same way that the medication does. It's not a complete fix. So yeah. that could be one of the reasons why um, going through the drinking, he becomes more of a violent father. Like, you know, taking things out on the kids, treating them badly, this, that, and the other. So that would be a good explanation of, you know, the operators haunting him. And that's why suddenly they go from being happy family to... Family with an abusive alcoholic father. Yeah, that makes so much more sense than just out of nowhere. We were a happy family. Now we're not a happy family. And then one day, the bottle. Yeah. It's just so randomly. That doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah, so we have all these factors into it that Frank pretty much goes off his medication mm -hmm. and then starts, you know, drinking because, oh, man, I'm seeing things out of the corner of my eye. And that's his self-medication. Mm -hmm. And then, you know... As a proxy, because he would be starting to go back into his proxyhood mm -hmm. without the medication, he's starting to have these fits of violence. Yep. Which, you know, paranormal crap aside, like, 
it is unfortunate. Abuse does happen in our world. It is a very oh, yeah. real thing that happens. And oftentimes it's the kids who end up being the ones that suffer because they're the easy targets. Yeah, of course. They're the ones that create noise, mess. You have yeah. to pay for them. They don't pay for themselves. So they're the easiest ones to take out any kind of aggression that you might have. So Frank, uh, very obviously, well, he, he also goes after Connie at one point. So it it is, you know, he just out of nowhere starts. It's not out of nowhere. It's what we have theorized all to do with Slenderman, mm-hmm. the alcoholism, like all this. It's pretty much a cocktail of bullcrap yeah. and negativity that leads him down this horrible, abusive path. And then pretty much past that point, um, we decided that the operator, seeing what Frank had done to his body, kind of went, nope, not you. Yeah, I can't handle this right now. You're, you're an alcoholic, you're abusing kids. No, <laughs> good guy Slenderman. I'm not here to be your sponsor. <laughs> I'm not done with that. So yeah, we said that Slenderman um, started leaving Frank's, uh, I guess, per- perception and started going to Lyra. Yeah, more than started, likely. Started influencing um, Lyra. So, because obviously you just go for the next one in line. And um, we said that she did suffer from nightmares leading up to yeah, the car crash. Because the only details on Lyra in uh, the story is that she had blonde hair, what she was wearing during the crash, and then her description of the injuries from the crash is all the information we got on there. Oh, and that she tried to fight back her dad. Right. So there's actually no other information on Lyra. So, yeah, we have another uh, headcanon theory or whatever that, yeah, the whole nightmare started once, you know, a few weeks before the crash, pretty much. And you could even argue that the crash itself happened, um, because I'm sure it wasn't necessarily the operator's plan to send her into a fatal car crash. Well, that's, Um, we actually go into that. Yeah. that written down. Yeah, the car crash. Um, but you could make the argument that with the amount of nightmares Slenderman was sending her way, she probably wasn't getting sleep, so it could have been very easily a situation of, you know, she's driving the car, starts to nod off a little bit, looks up, oh shit, there's the operator in the middle of the road, hmm, look, a tree. Well, I know that we we discussed it originally, like, we can go into the car crash now, actually, because it goes right into Toby. Yeah, that's Um, true. The big thing is the car crash! So everyone has their own theories about the car crash, and it's really cool because I've noticed on a lot of the art blogs and stuff, the ass blogs for Toby, mm-hmm. they've been using our theories. Oh, that that's nice. Slenderman crashed the car. That's and awesome. I, I said in a previous thing, um, when Baptism on Fire did his Tiki Toby story, yeah, or no, it was episode ten of Ask Jeff and Jack. He was like, you want to know who crashed the car? It was Slenderman. He did it. He crashed the car. And I'm right. like, wait, did you get that? That was our thing. Yeah. <laughs> did you really agree? That's from us. Because that actually, didn't that happen like right after we would posted that huge headcanon thing? Yeah, we posted the master list, oh my god, over a year ago. And I updated it back in August after I found out that Castaway left the fandom. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be like, hey guys, so here, I tried to archive like all the art and stuff. Um, but so here it comes, the car crash. So um, our original headcanon, if you remember... Was that he had he had sent Tim and Brian out to crash the car? Like right. they were they were we had a whole radio play where it was like going to be him sending the proxies out. Right, to, yeah. I remember that story. I yeah. still have that script. I think to like go and like seek out Lyra and start getting more like updates on Lyra because he was like, no, screw Frank. Yeah. So we're gonna go start looking at uh, Lyra. So they were keeping um, observation tabs on Lyra and. They could, like, teleport, and then they accidentally teleported into the middle of the road. It was just a bad tele... Like, one of them was that it was a bad teleportation, they ended up in the middle of the road and went, oh, crap, and crashed the car. 
Another I mean, one was can you like, think about how mad Slenderman would be if they'd if they'd actually messed it up that yeah. much? They were just like, oh shit, we overshot. <laughs> yeah, that was like one of our I think our sillier theories because I remember having a whole list of what happened with the car crash. Yeah, we really did. So that was one of them. Was like it was a miscalculation on teleportation for Brian, Tim, and uh, Kate. Right. So uh, another one was that Slenderman purposely crashed the car. Because to become a proxy, to become one of Slenderman's things... You basically have to die. You have to die. It's... You pretty much become a zombie. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't eat, you don't sleep, other than stasis. And he just takes your body and your soul and just kind of goes off with you. Right. So, in order to achieve this, you have to die. And it has to be a very specific way. Right. And you could, um... I think we sort of referenced, um... Oh, what was it? Uh the dead like me logic where like basically you have to be there in the moment that the yes. soul disconnects from the body so that you can grab, take, it, yeah. grab it and run. But in this case, we said that the car crash was so violent yeah. and she was dead so quickly that the operator just didn't even have time. Well, they just, they talk about it too. It's like, oh, freaking like, oh God, when he starts. She's like dead on impact basically, right? Yeah. Uh, range death really discussed like the car crash at length in the last episode about mm-hmm. how like, be, how it's described that the glass shattered. Yeah. That it wasn't like a head on course. Something crushed the car. How she's described and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it says that like her her face is covered in glass. Right. And um, so that would mean that either. Yeah. Because, well, because if something crushed the car from the top, though, the glass would bolt out and shatter outward. Well, no. He he was saying that. Um. The, what was it, Billy? The car crash. Car windshields are made of tempered glass. They don't break into pieces that would cause damage to a person, they shatter into a million harmless pieces. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think it's just a lack of knowledge on Castaway's uh, side, because he was, like, 14 when he wrote this. He didn't know how car crashes... Right. Bye, range death. Bye. He doesn't know how uh, car crashes, like, work, maybe. He'd never been in one. I mean, that's pretty likely. But, again, also, yeah. like, if you were to say that the glass was in her face or, like, in her in some way, that would mean that it would have to have been shattered inward. Yeah, so something... So something would have had to impact the windshield for it to go near her at all. Otherwise, it would explode outward because they're curved in an outward curve. So, yeah, so that's... That was another thing. Like, the impact had to be so immense. So it's probably not an 18-wheeler. It probably was, like, you know, a wall. It was probably Slender Man just going, like, eh. And it crashing. I mean, you could say that he literally just put his fist through the windshield. Oh my god, could you imagine? <laughs> just all some tentacles and like, <laughs> like how do you proxy? Um, so everyone, yeah. please get that image of just Slenderman punching the hood of a car and it flipping over its head. This is like a Michael Bay film now. <laughs> <laughs> the operator, produced and directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare for an entire movie of boring explosions. So, um, so yeah, so we had the, that was the second one, was that Slenderman crashed the car to get at Lyra, but the impact was so devastated, as described um, by her injuries in the story, she was dead on impact. There's no way. Yeah. So he kind of pretty much looked at her dead corpse, so I like, screw it! Like, oh, I done goofed, I done goofed so hard. And then looked at, like, Toby clawing his way out of the car, and then he was like... And went, well, maybe. Yeah, that, okay, well, that is the next, uh, he's getting tabbed. He's the next one in the bloodline. I have to go after this kid now who's Plan 17. C. Yeah, Plan C. It's like, 
one of those horrible sitcoms that come in at late <laughs> night and it's just like, when you, if you can't do something right, do it yourself. I mean, this is a sitcom I would watch, actually. But. Yeah. And he, like, looks into the camera, like, in the office, and then there's, like... With no face. <laughs> and Kate, uh, Tim, and Brian are just sitting there, like, oh, we done goofed. Yep. So that was... Shrug with a wah, 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 wah. There was another theory that Jess Kitten had brought up that mm. it was, the car crash was a test. Was yeah, if I he if he had stopped in the middle of the road if to see if she was like I forgot how it was explained like if she was worthy if she had maneuvered the car to protect Toby or not. Mm-hmm. So either way, he's gonna win because right. if she didn't protect Toby and she she and he died, he would still get Lyra. Right. But if she died, uh, he would get Toby. I mean, and that's sort of the overall creed it seems of Slenderman in pretty much every series I've ever seen which is sort of like a damned if you do damned if you don't sort of situation pretty much um so that was another that was Jess Kitten's theory mm. so we have a lot of different theories in the car crash but pretty much it comes down to um in the uh, Monsters of the Web lore that Slenderman did crash the car um whether it is a mistaken transport uh, teleportation um Literally on purpose to get at Lyra. Slenderman punching the car. <laughs> yeah. Or a test to see, you know, which one is going to be the worthy one. Um, so now we are on Toby. Frank is dead. Or Frank is... is Useless. Is yeah, useless. Lyra is now dead. Frank doesn't show up to the hospital. I will, I've already ranted about that. Um, Meanwhile, Connie's just sitting there going, why? <laughs> why well, this? Actually, we, we went over, like, how amazing Connie is in the story. I mean, Connie, Connie's like perfect. good for her. She stands up through this entire thing. Yeah, she she really like well, she loses her entire family and manages to come out standing. So hey, good for her. Which yeah, barely, unfortunately. So I'm I'm like, sorry for all the therapy you're going to have to go through after this, Connie. I really am. Toby having the nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first nightmare. The Lyra nightmare. Yeah. And she's just pretty much breathing and going like, ah, ah, ah. she's all like messed up from the car crash and her legs are, and I will draw this picture for you as I have drawn it for the other two. I always imagined it and I'm very sorry for making a reference to After Earth because I'd never mean to like make a reference to that movie ever. But that's but literally what it's described as, is her legs are all bent backwards and all in weird different directions. I, she's like, ah, I seriously ah. thought you were trying to tell me that it described her as a stick figure with a square for a mouth. Uh, that's no. what Rami's just showed me, by the way. It's just like, um, uh, her mouth, like, well, her that's an interesting gone. abstract sort of dream. It, her jaw is gone. It, she looks like, um, she's described as like one of the Japanese monsters from like The Grudge, where it's all it's just like, you know, like oh, Japanese monsters yeah, yeah, that like yeah, walk yeah, like, like that? The, the, yeah. The Obake. Yeah, thing. that's that's kind of how she's described. My favorite part of this uh, paranormal dream, though, mm-hmm. is that it says that at one point, um, he stopped for a second, everything was dead silent, except for the heavy breathing and crying. He slowly looked up to meet the blank face of a tall, dark figure that stood over him. Behind the tall, dark mass were rows of children looking to range from three to ten. <clears throat> Their eyes completely black and dark... Uh, Completely black and dark black blood leaked from their eye sockets. Wow, Slenderman and Laughing Jack could compete on their armies of children. Yes. And or Eyeless Jack. Armies of dream children. And then you have Eyeless Jack here with the black coming from their eyes. Like, okay. So also, this is, I forgot Which to is like, funny considering our lore of who Eyeless Jack works for. Uh, yeah. Like, we went, we, we, yo, we could actually go into that too. We could. Uh, so it said he screamed and stood up as fast as he could, only to be tripped by 
dark black tendrils that wrapped around his ankle. He fell straight on his stomach and got the wind knocked out of his chest. He tried to scream out, but he couldn't make a sound. He wheezed out before it all went black. So he woke up. Oh, no, I know where this goes. Yeah, he woke up screaming for that. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) There are children listening to this. (laughs) I was vague. (laughs) You'd be vague. We've watched enough. We know where this goes. Oh. <laughs> what? <Dad! laughs> I watched Evil Dead. I know what happens when things start wrapping around people's ankles. <laughs> so poor Toby. Slenderman gets that guy that from ABC called on him. Oh my god! He's got the cookies and the sweet tea. <laughs> we gotta call the cop. Slenderman's on the neighborhood. The social watch. services is on you now. Well, he's surrounded by a bunch of, like, three to ten-year-olds. I know. Like which, I said, Laughing Jack and Slenderman could compete in their armies of dream children. Um, so pretty much when we rewrote uh, the lore for this, we, we knocked out the children. Because mm-hmm. when we did the dream sequence, it was actually pushed further into the story, and it was a torture... It was a, a form of torture for Toby to try and get him to comply, that he right. was just seeing these horrible images that, like, Lear was there, but he isn't. she isn't there, and... Like, is he dreaming? Is he not dreaming? And exactly. it was just psychedelic bad trip, bad trip. <laughs> so when we recreated that scene, we took... Wake me up. Yeah, pretty much. We took out the kids because that's dumb. <laughs> well, and also, like, as, you know, creepy as it is to have, you know, imagery tiny of children. tiny children oozing black crap from their eyes, it's... Overdone. It's overdone, and it also doesn't really mesh in with the idea of, like, how Toby is most easily manipulated, and also throughout... Most of the Slenderverse, all the people you see Slenderman going after are in their teens to early 20s. Yeah. Uh, Tim and Brian are 20 in the beginning. They're like 20 or 21, and you see it go throughout like 23, 24, 25 Right, almost. and they, they talk about Tim being affected by the operator when he was a child and, you know, in the psych ward and everything like that, but it's never indicated that Slenderman takes children. No. Ever. Well, that was because that was the operator, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of... I know that Troy took parts of the Slenderman story on the Something Awful forms because he was on that crap the day after Slenderman was created on Something Awful. And I'm sorry awful I keep flip-flocking like, back 20, and forth between things the operator and Slenderman. But. Yeah. But it was like June 20, 2009 that Troy was like, everyone was uploading the pictures and then he like went, we're going to go film this and took Joseph in, and was like, we're going to To the ones! With the camera! Pretty much. Well, the first episode was, to the porch with the camera! <laughs> to the porch! You and bought your dog? With Joseph like touching the screen or whatever. <laughs> or was that Slenderman like touching the screen? <laughs> so yeah, it's the op, like he took par- portions of the operator and we, we have that too where we were like, we don't do the children thing. We have yeah. bloodlines, which is what we went through, and that it's more of an ancient eldritch thing, which is Darren's, like, cup of tea The here. eldritch are my babes. Yeah. So, like, we, we kind of went more of an eldritch feel with uh, Slender Man slash the operator, or the administrator, or whatever you want to call him in our lore. Mm-hmm. Um, we, like to call him, we like to call him uh, Range Death. <laughs> yeah, yes. that too. Or Billy. Or Billy. Yeah. So, um, Billy plays Slender Man in our series. So, pretty much, um, uh, we went way off the freaking thing here. So, we've talked about, uh, Marble Hornets. So, let's go into, uh, some other things. Um. Did we want to finish up on, uh, yeah. Toby's thing first? Actually, yeah, because I want to talk about Spared Connie. Right, right. Um, so Connie at the end, after, um, the do it, do it, do it. <laughs> literally, literally, it says, do it, do it, do it, they chant. <laughs> do it, do it. 
Um, so after Toby kills Frank in the kitchen, which we did not film in the kitchen, um, he looks up, like, Connie comes down and is like, Toby, why? Why could, how did you do this? He's a like, jerk, mom. Yeah. So, uh, he gets up and, like, looks at her and it even says it, like, that's the last time he saw his mother and, like, mm-hmm. headed to the garage to get the axes or the hatchets and get the, uh, the gas can and, like, leave. Mm-hmm. He spared his mom. He could have killed his mom right there. Right. But the voices told him to kill Frank and... You want to talk about why that might be? Yeah, um, my thought on it was uh, the reason that he spares Connie is, much like Lyra, Connie is a person in his life that shows him love and kindness. So that's still a tie to being human. Frank at one time did, but, you know, that devolved into Frank being the alcoholic, abusive father. And um, it struck me as kind of an idea that one of the best ways Slenderman had to manipulate Toby into working for him, other than obviously, like, I'm gonna spook you with images of your dead sister, uh, was, I can give you the power to get rid of your abuser. I can free you from your abuser, which is a pretty powerful thing for kids who are abused. Yeah. Um, another thing was, uh, I wanted to throw in there was, besides Connie not being a threat... Because mm-hmm. Connie's not in the bloodline. That too. Yeah, so it wasn't, like, a necessary thing. Because its voice is, in the story, its voices are the possession inside mm-hmm. of him being like, kill Frank. It's right. literally like, Frank is the only one left in the bloodline. So it's kind of like that Church of Thorn from mm-hmm. uh, the Halloween, do you remember Michael Myers' the Halloween movies? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where in the Church of Thorn, uh, Michael had to kill pretty much everyone in his family before the curse could be sated, mm-hmm. and it could go on to the next generation. So it was kind of like that thing where you have to kill everyone in your family, which kind of makes sense because you don't really see the Crayleys, you don't see the Wrights, you don't see the Hazes, you don't see any of their families, although mm-hmm. that could be a directional choice not to show their families. <laughs> they, they Disney off-screen death them. Yeah. So uh, that was another thing was that Frank was in the bloodline, he had to go. Uh, there was already dead, so Toby didn't have to worry about that, so... Sad stuff. Make it what you will. Ooh. Right. You could you could go the way of she's not in the bloodline, thus she's kind of unimportant, and Slenderman didn't really care. You could also go with the idea because I, I, if I recall correctly, when he turns to stare at her, he actually sort of like holds that stare yeah. for a little while. Um, so you could even argue, even though it doesn't say it in the story, that the entire time he's just staring at her, Slenderman's voice in his head is going, "Do it, do it, do it," and. So- that one little bit of humanity makes him turn and run out the door instead of if you want to do the whole thing of humanizing the monster, which at this point Toby is becoming. Um, So uh, alternative universe fan fiction writers out there, eat your heart out with what if Lyra was still alive. Run with it. What do you think? Yeah. What if Lyra was still alive? Like, Toby would have to, like, would he be forced to kill her? That's, like, some deep fan fiction area right there. Like, I want to see I'd love to see what people come up with for that, actually, because that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, like him having to fight Slenderman, because we already had that he he is the most, out of all four of them, he is the most there. He is the most human still. Right. And that's why Slenderman loves to torture him, and they all, everyone loves to torture him, and he keeps getting kidnapped and stuff, is because he's the most human out of all of them, mm-hmm. um, even though he's still, like, a zombie. And he's still, like, he, he is susceptible, obviously, to Slenderman, but he is the most human. He still has feelings, even though he's like, I don't remember what these images are from, but I kind of And he's of also like the most it. childlike. Yeah, he, well, yeah. He died when he was 17. Right now mm-hmm. he's 25. Well, he's also, this also year. mentally, because yeah. of, you know, all of his different issues, so. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that, that'd be a really cool thing to see some fan fiction, like, because I always see, like, the fan fictions that I've seen, like, I haven't looked in, like, a year, was, uh, 
Like, besides shipping stuff and things mm-hmm. in the mansion, which are kind of, I haven't seen too many, like, deep fan fictions about Toby, and I'd love to see an alternative universe of, like, you know, Slenderman being like, you have to kill both Frank. Or, like, what if Frank drove the car that night? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he has to go and kill Lyra, and he has this giant, like, existential crisis of, I can't kill my sister. Like, her and my mom are all I have. It's like, well, you're going to kill your sister. I'm going to kill your mom. Oh, yeah. that'd be a fun choice to have to make him oh, choose between. Hmm. Try it, writers. Yeah. Send in your submissions. Go, fan fiction writers. Make us cry. Um, like, we have made you cry. So, yeah, that's that's a whole fun thing. Like, you can have a lot of fun with the Rogers families and all their, like... It's kind of like The Sims. Yeah, well, it's... depraved Sims. It's one of the nicer things about Toby's lore is that he actually does have a family that you can sort of dissect and play with and see the influences on what made him what he is rather than you know, Tim, Brian, and Alex, and Kate, where you just see this one person in an isolated situation where they apparently have no family, or their families disappeared into the ether, or whatever well, might have happened. It does mention that Kate's mom died recently. So we know that she had a mom. Okay, well. Yeah, she's, she died, but that's like Kate, literally Kate's it. Disney mom. Yeah, so. they all have to, yeah, they all pretty much have, like, that Disney mom. But, um, that, it's cool, because we brought it up in the last episode, too, is that, like, Clockward story mm-hmm. is just, like, like, to- or sorry, Toby's story is, like, one of the most well-written creepypastas, and still that's not giving it much, because they have the family. Yeah. Whereas, like, Clockwork and um, Jeff are just literally, like, edg- edginess for the sake of being edgy. Yeah. And dark stuff just for the sake of being dark. Like, mm-hmm. obvious medical reasons aside, like, a lot of stuff like that doesn't happen in the real I world. I mean... If if you do read certain versions of Jeff's story, it does flesh out things to do with his family a little bit more. So. Well, like the move and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and the super strength. Like, that's another thing. Uh, oh, uh, we can bring this up. Jeff's bloodline. Oh, right, right. Yeah, we, we had the Woods' be bloodline. Right, because we did say that Jeff is pretty much tapped to be a proxy, um, but that he, through his own bullshit and series of events that happened to him, managed to run away. Yeah, so... He pretty much gave the finger to Spider-Man <laughs> and left. Ran away with both fingers up. Yeah, like, Jeff was boss-ass bitch and was just like, no, I'm not having any of this. And that's why he has the super strength out of nowhere in the story, is because we had proxies, they can run real fast, they have the super strength, mm-hmm. uh, they have a mental connection to each other, as well to Slenderman. Which we also said explained away how he can survive without, you know, getting any kind of infection or his eyes shriveling up and drying out because, you know, he has no eyelids and a Chelsea grin, so yep. that kind of stuff gets infected and then you die and then very like, quickly. sustenance, he doesn't really need a lot of sustenance because he's already a zombie. Except apparently alcohol. He loves alcohol, yeah. Which is like, that's how he numbs the pain. He can deal with alcohol. I guess. Yeah. So, um... Because there are sort of stories where he, like, drinks. There are versions of it where he's just, like, alcohol. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I think that's actually an interesting thing that a monster just... He has the alcohol to try and Well, and we've shown him doing that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that's another one that I've played. I was Jeff the Killer yes. in the previous episode. Yeah, you were Jeff the Killer. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we had the It woods. was freezing. <laughs> that's actually really even... That's even sadder because um, if we do the whole, like, kill everyone remaining in the bloodline, mm-hmm. he did kill Lou, but Lou came back. Right. So, technically, you could think about it that both of them are tech, are sort of runaway proxies. Yeah. And then uh, he randomly tapped... Uh, Jane got tapped because of influence mm-hmm. from... Uh, being near Jeff. Right. It was, yeah. And which we kind of go into the story with Tim and Brian is the same kind of thing where it's like, well, mm-hmm. if you're near a person, you kind of get affected because it is an infection, sort right. of. It's a very similar parallel between those three and Brian, Tim, and Alex. So we can actually go into Tim now. 
Mm-hmm. Are um, we are we finished on Toby? Is that pretty much we, we went through all the car crashes, um, the calculated random arbitrary violence versus the <laughs> wait calculated arbitrary violence. Can we talk about calculated arbitrary violence? Yes, please um, do. So I was also thinking about the idea that um, potentially Slenderman did mean to kill Lyra. Um, in that it would be the best way to sort of tip Toby over the edge. So that's, like, sort of my third headcanon on the car crash, in that he meant for Lyra to die in the most horrible way possible, because taking that one person that Toby clung to and that made him the most human uh, in the most scarring way possible would have been the best way to just tip him over the edge and go, ha ha ha, you're mine now. Oh, so uh, that was calculated arbitrary violence. Yeah, that's calculated arbitrary versus violence. Versus random arbitrary violence. You have Rav versus Cav. <laughs> and random arbitrary violence is... Battle of the Bands. Rav versus Cav. Which is literally, like, the story. Yeah. Which is... Our, our theories is calculated arbitrary violence versus the story, the can- canonical story of random. Mm-hmm. Because out of nowhere, he just goes and kills Frank. Right. And out of nowhere, there's a car accident. Mm-hmm. And which... Yeah. So that's... Um, I think that was it. We have, went over Spare Connie... Uh, the susceptions, um, why did it start with, yeah, we, so we covered all that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to go into Tim. Um, Tim, uh, dealing with Marble Hornets and bringing it into the Monsters of the Lore, or Monsters of the Lore, bringing it into the Monsters of the Web universe was interesting. Yeah, and difficult, honestly, considering how rich Marble Hornets lore is already. So pretty um, much, because when we started out, I know we were like, well, we're not going to make it silly. We want to make it serious. We mm-hmm. want it... We want, our goal is to make it so people don't, wow. (laughs) It was empty, I promise. Our goal was to make it so that we can bridge the gap between the Slenderverse and Creepypasta. We wanted Creepypasta to be seen as sort of a more serious platform for artists that want to take it more seriously and see it. Their two intentions were to be darker. Right, because there really are a lot of wonderful, dark stories that come out of the Creepypasta authors, and um, and no offense to the fandom or anything, I do love you guys, um, the fandom is wonderful. Couldn't do this without you. Um, but it does tend to take a lighter, fluffier, if you will, anime. reaction anime. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a fan of anime, but in this case, it just doesn't lend itself to the kind of characters these are supposed to be. These are supposed to be monsters and psycho killers and then when you sort of fluffy them up and put sparkles around them and give them big animu eyes it's kind of like mm, well that's not scary i'm not terrified in fact i'm confused it's that whole psychological thing of like we we're so terrified like if monsters are fluffed if monsters have that fluffy like you know thing like oh then they're not scary and it's the whole thing of like we don't want monsters to be a thing we want them to be happy and fluffy so the real monsters in our life can be like it's that whole right. thing of like umbridge is um uh dolores umbridge from harry potter is the villain we see every day in real life right and that's why we fear her more than voldemort well is the more fantastical type of villain right and funnily enough that ties into a post on tumblr i just read um Wherein, like, I'm all for humanizing monsters and seeing the human side of them because it reminds you that the the bridge between monster and human is very, very small. Uh, it's a very easy thing to tip between monster and human because humans themselves can be monsters. Cool. Very we easily. Selected one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... I'm all for humanizing them, but I am not a supporter of making them cute or fluffy because then you, it, it's like defanging and declawing a monster. And that's, 
that's not scary. And then you just want to pet it and cuddle it and go, oh, aren't you cute? Well, I actually had this conversation with Baptism on Fire um, a while back of, like, isn't it funny that in the 90s, like, Every, every, they all have families now. Yep. Like, Freddie is a dad and had a wife. Right I now. love Dad Freddie. <laughs> dad Freddie. And then we had uh, Michael is a dad and had his, had his niece and had his sister. Jason had his long-lost sister. Well, Jason uh, also had his mom from the beginning, yeah. though. So Jason's a little bit the, obs- the exception. Exception. And then we had uh, Chucky had a, got a wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael's the exception, too, but he killed his family, so. Yeah. But, like, it, it's weird because they got more family. And it was, like, interesting later on. Like, look, we can humanize them even more. And Samara had her mommy issues. Right. Which, yeah, Damien had his whole issues with his dad. It's it's basically that line of, yes, you can humanize them, but don't try to take it too far. Because you hit that point where it becomes not the real thing anymore. Yeah. You lose, the, you lose sight of the source material. And when you do that, the monsters become not scary. So, um, pretty much, like... When we, when we went over with Tim and, and Brian and all that, like, I was already a little worried. This is before episode two when we started, we were going to, we introduced, first introduced Tim and Brian as, like, the serious characters. Like, episode two, uh, in the middle of it is when our show kind of goes more scary. Um, before that, I actually had a chance to meet Thack. Um, so I did talk to Troy, well, Joseph, and Tim. Huh? Yeah, yeah, when they were still Thack. Um, I got a chance to meet them, and I talked about it with uh, Troy and Tim and all them, and they're very supportive of FanWorks, so we got their blessing to do this, and we were trying to tell them that we are going to do this, and we swear we're going to handle your properties with care, we are and going respect. and respect, we're, we're trying our best to bridge these characters together to give them more serious things, because being a proxy is not a fun thing. No, it's horrible. And in the Slender, in, you know, sorry, in uh, Marble Hornets, they're not actually proxies, they're working against Slenderman, which mm-hmm. has already been confirmed, and um, so we had a big challenge ahead of us of... How are we going to get uh, Tim and Brian on Slenderman's side? Mm-hmm. How are we going to bridge it with the creepypasta universe? How are we going to do all this? The answer is kill them. Yep, pretty much. That, that was <laughs> You hit the, the nail right there. Darren's right. We, we killed them. Um, so they're all zombies. Yep. Uh, so uh, do you want to go into a little bit on Tim? Um, yeah, Tim's thing, because, you know, all of you who've seen Marble Hornets know that the ending of what happens with Tim is really ambiguous. It just ends with him sort of driving off into somewhere, we're not sure where, looking sad and with the death of all of his friends on his shoulders. So that's not fun. And anybody who's in that situation probably would consider the idea of suicide. Trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning. We're going to talk about suicide. Um... So, and the way it ended, just this with this very sort of bleak, open-ended feeling, it seems, yeah, this sort of crossroads thing, it seemed like there was a very easy possibility that Tim could hit that point of, do I choose life and keep fighting, or is there a point anymore? And also, and, he was out of pills. Like, I, yeah, I, he was out of pills. pills anymore. Which, so. you know, he could try to go and get, you know, new medication and stuff like that. But again, that would be the choice of, do I keep fighting? Do I keep living and fighting and trying to make this happen? Or is this just going to keep hounding me Ooh. my entire life? I just thought, like, so that, that could also lead to all this grief and stuff. And if he was off his pills and stuff and started giving up, then Slender Man's influence would have started creeping on. And mm-hmm. if he can talk to... Like, communicate with Tim, just being like, just give up. <laughs> do it. Do it. Uh, so, yeah. That's so, the phrase for the proxies, just do it. So, we have uh, Tim, unfortunately, trigger warning, committed suicide um, over the grief and guilt 
of uh, killing Brian by accident mm -hmm. and, and causing Jay's death. And Jessica's well, Jessica's alive. Yeah, Jessica's fine. Yeah, um, but you know, Amy, oh god, Alex, yeah. the entire crew. Yeah, everybody. Um, so and everything that pretty much go went on with their whole troop there. So uh, we had him die, and then we had him uh, even more special snowflake because Slenderman had been targeting him since he was a kid. Yeah, and he, for a very very long time. So we had Tim be the human vessel. Of Slenderman. Right, because I think we discussed that um, with the idea of Slenderman being an eldritch, he pretty much exists in it, I should say. It, it exists in its own plane, which is kind of touched on a little bit in Marble Hornets when you see the thing of the tunnel and um, all that. Like, I know a lot of people theorize that the tunnel itself was sort of like a bridge between yeah. its dimension and this one. What the heck do they call it? There's, there's a name for it that um, I know Lee, who was previously uh, Jay Merrick, on Tumblr yeah. talked about it. There's the, whatever the zone is, they talked about it. And I used to know the name of it, but it's been so long. Right. But it's, that it's basically, it exists in its own sort of mirror dimension to this one, which is a, another big thing that a lot of um, eldritch beings do. They just exist in their own pocket dimensions. And their contact with this one is fleeting at best. They can only really touch this universe through the minds of humans, yeah. um, and in doing so cause madness and all that fun stuff. Um, and Tim, if he was targeted from such a young age, that would mean that he's special. He has something that Slenderman wants more than he's wanted anything from any of the other proxies. So that's when we said, well, what if he is the vessel of Slenderman in this universe? What if he's the way that Slenderman can actually exist in this universe, tangibly? Because he can't really exist in this universe. Mm -hmm. So um, he would go in... So he would go inside of Tim mm -hmm. and be able to walk around and control Tim like that. So Tim would be no more. Which would also lead to that, like, just his Tim's like mind breaking and him freaking out. Right. And you could even argue that in some cases that's sort of what how the masky persona works. Because yeah. even though, like, the masky persona does seem to do good things yeah. at times, it's very mixed on what it tends to do. Like, sometimes it'll do good things and other times it does horrible, violent things. So it could be a situation of masky is the vessel version, but when it's doing good things, that's Tim fighting back. And when it's doing bad things, that's Slenderman being in complete control. It could also be, you know, like when you go to drive your car and you put in a, the car don'ts and start up. Mm -hmm. um, remember, Tim's not dead when he's masky. Right. So that could be Slenderman trying to start the car and it's not really getting there because Tim's not dead yet. Exactly. So he can't take control of Tim's body because he can't, he can't get... To the realm still. Right. Tim has to be dead by the laws of whatever he is. Curse that soul. Yeah. Just in the way. Just in the way. Just knock it out. So, um... Punch it! So, punch it like you punch the car! Punch it with your tentacles! So, uh, that was one thing is that Tim in our lore is the human vessel of Slenderman. So he's kind of stuck in the woods. He doesn't mm -hmm. leave unless Slenderman, like, goes into him and, like, lets him, makes him leave to do missions and stuff. Right. Uh, so it's very seldom. That's why Tim in, like, episode two is like, you were Tim in that episode. I was. Like, I? punching the tree and getting into fights with Toby. Because Toby For just reference, I did actually punch the tree in that episode. <laughs> I bloodied my knuckles. Uh, so he's, like, getting in, in trouble with Tim or Toby because, like, Toby just doesn't understand. Like, Tim is constantly, like, to Toby might have nightmares, 
But Tim has Slenderman in his head. Right. Tim is constantly tortured by the presence of Slenderman. And that's why he's also like, we should have moved on. Like, he, he just thinks he's in hell at this point because, mm-hmm. like, it, I could imagine him waking up after dying and being like, no. no. this is not what this was supposed to be. I was supposed to be done. Yeah. And then Brian. And then Brian's there as a soulless shell. And doesn't that just put the icing on the cake for Tim? Thank you.